0: Welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And today I have the pleasure to have three gentlemen in my office with me recording. I've got... um, I'm struggling with the title because it was about (laughs) to say my assistant, but it's no longer my assistant. I have the deacon of administration. There we go. We'll go with that. Ben Mossback is with us today. Hey guys. I've got uh, one of my residents, Bryson Amix. How's it going? And another resident resident, and my new assistant, Kevin Noor Hey, guys. And today we want to talk a little bit about uh, the sermon that I preached on Sunday. This um, kind of segment of our podcast we call Beyond the Sermon. Um, usually when I'm... When I'm Obviously, I have, a, I have a limited window of time when I'm preaching. Um, I have 45 minutes to an hour, basically, to get my point across. And sometimes, um, you know, I have to leave a lot on the cutting room floor. So if I was going to sit down and, and talk about a subject, you know, I might talk for two to three hours. It might be a lecture that needs to have eight parts, let's say it might be that complex or complicated of an issue, but I've only got 45 minutes. And so I'm always, um, I want to make things simple on a Sunday morning and clear, but I also want to give any nuance that I can. I want to, I want to tell, I want to teach as much as I possibly can about a subject in in 45 minutes. And that's one of the things that I'm enjoying about this fundamental series is I broke it up. um, I broke it up enough that I get I get to talk for 45 minutes about um, single issues mm. where in the past I've done like maybe if I did identities and rhythms I, I did identities one a week but then rhythms I did like three, three rhythms in one sermon mm. and this time I'm only going to go I'm only doing one rhythm per week and it's given me a lot more opportunity to go in a little bit more detail on the theology behind what we're doing um, the practice the practical aspects of it, even some of the philosophy of what it means. And so th- this Sunday, we talked about the rhythm of recreate or recreate. And we talked about to recreate something is to c- go back to its original and to create it again, right? Hmm. And so when I when I was building out um, this rhythm, one of the things that we naturally do, I took us back in the beginning, God gave us what's called the cultural mandate. The mandate to make babies, to be fruitful and multiply, and subdue creation, have dominion over creation. And that call is the call to create a God-honoring culture. So at that time, everything, if they did it and it wasn't eating the tree, it would have been (laughs) God-honoring. So here's the thought. They were called to build a house, cut a tree down, build a house. They were called to take some animals and put them in a pen and, and, you know, shepherd those sheep, Mm. whatever. They were called to plow the ground. They were called to, uh, you know, use that sheep sheep wool for clothes and learn how to make clothes, right? They were, they were called to, to, create skinny jeans. Like, that's part of...
1: Yes, thank the, you.
0: <laughs> the cultural mandate includes all that. So, like, go make clothes, right? Now, obviously, they clothes didn't come until after they, they fell, but um, that the cultural mandate is go make good culture, all right? Create, instru- create instruments, write music, sing songs, write poetry. Theoretically, that would also involve building society. Mm. Even without the fall, you would still need a society. You would need people cooperating together. Like, you know, think about you know, in an agrarian society, you got this guy who plants corn. Well, he doesn't want to just live off corn. You got this guy over here that plants beans, right? So what are they going to do? Well, the guy that raises corns and the guy that raises beans, they're going to swap. They're going to trade, right? So that's commerce. They're going to have commerce together. And then you've got the guy that puts, uh, hooves on horses, right. Or whatever the deal is. And so you've got all these different, everybody's going to have their own thing that they're doing. Mm. They're going to have to cooperate together. They're going to have to create some kind of civil government. It's just natural. It's going to, it's going to naturally happen. So civil government and these types of things and cities, and they're not a consequence of the fall. They've just been marred. Mm. They fell. Right. And so you still would have to figure out, how to work together in a in a God-honoring way, how to create, you know, God-honoring, God-honoring culture. Mm-hmm. But that's the original calling was to go make good culture, okay? So all of the things that we think about with culture, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, whether it's music, whether it's art, education, business, um, government, um, anything you guys... Pop into your mind that I'm not that I'm not saying all of those things. God wants us to create. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were called to create those things. Mm. Okay, that mandate still applies to us today. Mm-hmm. Christians are called by God to create good culture, right? right. In our homes, the the most important. Um, Uh, the word's not coming to my mind, but organization in the world is mm. the family. The family has to have a good God-centered culture. Mm. And then that culture as those circles of, um, man, the word is not coming to my but like as, as the city, the city government, and then you've got national concentric circles the, around those, you, those concentric yep. circles. But I'm trying to think of the word that I'm trying to uh, come up with, with, or for those, that, whatever you want to call that, um, government but and um, yeah geez my brain is just dead right now anyways so culture matters right and we're called to create good culture and that still applies to us today
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think most Christians think about that Not creating good culture they only think most of the people only think about consuming culture instead of creating culture Now, add on top of that, because of the fall, and because Jesus is redeeming all things, right? That's what Scripture says. He's Mm -hmm. redeeming all things to himself, not just human people, all all things. So now we're also called to uh, redeem, restore, renew culture, right? There's some things that we should reject in culture because they're just blatantly sinful. We just reject Mm -hmm. them. But there's some things that can be redeemed and can be renewed and can be restored. And so I, I basically said on Sunday, our calling as Christians in this rhythm of recreate is to go out and make good culture or restore
2: mm-hmm.
0: culture, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's our calling. And that's a really big calling. And I think it's one of the reasons why our culture is kind of falling around, falling apart around us is because we aren't out there on the front lines saying, we know how to make good culture, and, and we're out there and doing And actually it, doing it. And actually doing yeah. it. We're, we're, we've got like a, a dichotomy in our, in our faith that kind of just says, hey, I'm just going to sit here and just kind of hunker down and just consume culture but try not to let it in, impact me very much, sure. and then I'm just going to go to heaven when I die. Mm-hmm. And because of that mentality, we're leaving the world a far worse place mm-hmm. for our children, you know? And our, and the, um, all of the things that we've built, all of the structures of our society, the institutions, mm-hmm. that's the word I was looking for earlier, institutions, <laughs> the insti- the family is the primary institution of society. Mm-hmm. Everything else is meant to serve the family. Sure. Um, the institutions of society are crumbling all around us, you know? And um, and so that was that's kind of what I was um, getting at on, on Sunday, and talking calling us to to create good culture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to be um, on the front lines of creating good culture. Mm. Somebody's always creating culture, right. right? It's not like it doesn't get done. It's it's always happening. Mm-hmm. But are we informed with a biblical perspective to get out in the world? Mm-hmm. and make good culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I think something uh, along those general lines of the cultural mandate and um, and this area of recreation that can be really encouraging to Christians is the normalcy of it. I mean, we talk about all of these rhythms being normal rhythms of life that we should be doing with gospel intentionality, but this one and that that idea of culture creation seems like, one of the most easily applicable because it includes all the things that we are actually doing in work, in our home, whatever, um, that people don't see as a part of culture. They don't see the things that they do as creating something that is affecting or influencing or benefiting somebody else. Um, But if they can open their eyes to see that yeah, those spreadsheets you make, or that laundry you do, or whatever it is, that conversation you have with your neighbor about things going on, those things all create culture that influences the people around us for good or for bad. Um, And so I think that can be, I walked away from the sermon on Sunday, just kind of refreshed and encouraged in that, that even though I don't always feel creative or artistic or, you know, (laughs) like some big cultural influence. I am constantly influencing the people around me by the things that I'm doing and creating and saying. Um, and, and I think there can be a lot of encouragement just for the normal everyday Christian out in their work and their Mm -hmm. family, um, to see, Oh no, I am, I am doing that. Maybe I need to shift a little bit and, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, find where the gospel informs a little bit more. Uh, maybe I need to change some of my business practices or the way that I treat my employees or whatever it may be um, but we are all capable and probably already creating culture around us yeah. um, that doesn 't have to feel like oh there 's another thing I have to do to <laughs> right. to get better at this
0: yeah we 're not you 're already doing it. just do it as a Christian, do it christianly, mm-hmm. do it. With gospel intentionality, yep. do it formed through your faith.
1: And I appreciated that you uh, corrected again. That I don't remember if you said these exact words, but that doesn't mean playing Caleb on the radio in your store or whatever it is. That doesn't make you a Christian business owner or a, mm-hmm. a, a Christian business. It's it's the way that you carry yourself and you treat other people and share the gospel through those services you provide or, or whatever yeah. it is that that share the gospel, not just.
0: And it, there there can be like some confusion behind that too, because it's like, well, how Christian is my business. And first off, it's it's either influenced by by Christian convictions or it's not. Mm-hmm. But part of our faith and is progressive sanctification. So in a lot of ways, what we're saying is our business is reformed and always reforming according to the word there of God. There go,
1: yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Like it's it's Christian and always being sanctified to the glory of God. So as I learn about mm-hmm. a practice that I'm doing that is actually not honoring to the sure. Lord, I repent and I change that business practice, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, there's a lot of ways that, that that could look in business. Maybe you've been using a product for a year and then all of a sudden you find out that this product that you've been using is harmful to the environment or it's harmful to people's health and it's, or it's an inferior product. And so what does the Christian do? Well, the Christian is going to go have to make amends for that. It's going to have to own it, repent it, repent. And, you know, and go maybe reinstall a better product in Mm. those, in those things or something like that. Those are just Mm -hmm. some ideas, but You, did Did it sound controversial when I was asking those questions? Is there a Christian way to do art? Is there a Christian way to make shoes? Is there a Christian way to do stocks and business? Is it a Christian to, to, to? What were you guys thinking? When I, were you guys thinking, yes, there is? Were you guys thinking, no, there's not? Hmm. Is there a Christian way to change a diaper? I even said that, I think.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I was very, um, I was tracking with you through that. Um, I mean, of course, there's there's always a Christian way to do it, to do it with, like, like we we're saying, with gospel intentionality, to do it for the glory of God. Um, I I could also see, um, I can think of some people that were on mission to who are very much separated. Like, you know, I'm a Christian on Sunday, and then I go to work on, you know, Monday through whatever. And I could see them answering that as, well, of course not. You know, this is my... This is my me time.
1: I'll get my God time on mm. Sunday. I think some someone that's coming to mind right now is uh, my my neighbor, who's a retired cop. Um, also did a, a stint as military police, and um, he's not a part of Sacred City, but he is a, a believer. And through the conversations that we've had, just in, in getting to know him so far, I can see how his belief in the gospel has influenced his life as a police officer, even from the side of retirement. Um, you know, he'll, he'll tell some wild story or whatever about some chase he was on or, or some crime that, that he was a part of stopping or, or whatever. Um, and, and I can see from my perspective how it'd be really easy to get caught up in the drama and excitement and intensity of, or the the evilness of whatever those things were that he's seen. But the way that he talks, even about criminals as people who have stories and histories and things that made them who they are, and the way that, um, as a cop, his heart always broke for those people, has been really weird to <laughs> to walk through. Yeah. Um, but. But I think an example of that, like there's, especially in in our culture today, with all of the things that are going on in police enforcement and, and and all of those things that that I think are causing a lot of controversy. I can I can have these conversations with my neighbor and hear the gospel influence the way that he sees all of that, right? Um, <clears throat> and it's just incredible.
0: Yeah. So I think <clears throat> I think most people can make the connections with with things like that and maybe being a teacher and being these things. Sure. I think but when people people struggle when it's like, well, how is there a Christian way to dig a ditch?
1: Mm.
0: I'm pushing dirt, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is there a Christian way to do that? Sure. Well, there's a lot of ways. Number 1, it's your motivation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are you doing it to honor God and to glorify God and whatever it is your whatever it is you're digging a ditch for? Mm-hmm. Two, you're doing it without grumbling and complaining. Mm-hmm. Not too many ditches get dug without grumbling and complaining. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, and three, what, what's the end goal?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, are you doing something to promote something that's true, good, or beautiful? Right. Like, are you digging it for um, a, a sprinkler system that's mm-hmm. going to go in and it's going to make that ugly lawn yeah. look beautiful? Right. So you're doing it for the glory of God but you're doing it in a way um, that that glorifies mm-hmm. God, right? And so, yes, there is a Christian way yeah. to dig a ditch, right? Um, and I, I think I said this in both services. Like, it's, sometimes it's helpful to think, like, well, there's no Christian way to do this. You could say, well, is there an unchristian way to do
1: it? That was helpful.
0: Because if there's an unchristian way to do it, then there's, <laughs> <then it, laughs> yeah. you are right? The opposite is true. Then there's a Christian way to do it. Now, mm-hmm. The Christian way to do it might just be in line with, you know, doing it in in, in line with code and doing it the best way possible mm-hmm, and, yep. you know, doing it in, in an honest way. It might be. Yeah. But that's still a Christian way. Yep. Yeah. Like truth is a Christian
1: mm-hmm. reality, right? It's as it, is beauty and excellence and, yeah.
0: Yeah. All of those things. So. That's we see that in the home. We're we're creating a culture in the home that wants we want to promote truth. You know, teach truth, um, promote beauty, and extol goodness. Like we want our that's what we want. We want mm-hmm. our kids to love truth mm-hmm. and to love beauty and to love goodness. Right, mm-hmm. that's what we want. And then and that's I think that is primary number one. That's where we want to focus. But then, the next ring, whatever it is, is if it's our career. Um, it's, it's a wider ring of society at large, the institutions around us. Mm-hmm. We, we think of the institution of the, the school systems, mm-hmm. right? I, I brought this up uh, in my sermon just because um, education, it's weird. Education is a cultural artifact. Mm-hmm. So it's something that culture has created, but it's also a primary means of creating culture. Right? right? So we didn't just invent the way that we we school people, we teach people. That's we've received that from a, a certain type of culture. Mm. But the way we educate children and the way we educate people in our society also creates people that create culture. So it's actually going to be a large um, factor in what kind of. So if you drop a child in this system, when they get through of it, when they get through it, so the, the system itself is an artifact of culture. And when this child gets through that system, they are now going to be formed in such a way to go make, to go consume and create a specific type of culture. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's very important what that educational system looks like, what they're forming them into. Mm. Right? Are they forming them into, I mean, let me just be really clear, like, think about, you know, Nazi Germany. If you dropped your child into that school system in Nazi Germany, they came out a Nazi. That's that's what they created. They came yeah. out, right, um, loving Hitler, hating Jews, thinking they were the supreme race, yeah. thinking that it was a, a good for m- mankind and for humankind or for the the Germans to annihilate gypsies and homosexuals and 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 Jews, right? And it ultimately led to millions of people dying. That came through obviously mass media, Hitler pushing it, but it also came through the education system. Those kids wanted to go serve their country and die for their country, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> so so that's it that's one one form of education that we could see how, oh man, that education really matters. Right? Mm -hmm. So the question then is, what is who made our system? (laughs) What system are is our kids in? And what is the system trying to form them into? Mm -hmm. And so what are your thoughts when I when I say that? Any of that?
3: I think, um, and this is something that we've thought about too. The the what is the system forming your kids into? I don't know if the system knows (laughs) what the system because
0: it's like. um, Well, you right. I get what you're saying there, but you can check. You can see what they're at least what they're trying to form them into by what they're focusing on. Yes, what they're focusing on, what they're saying.
3: Um. and that is I think in a lot of ways yes men and yes women people who follow the current of the culture kind of like um, I'd say almost like a river you know the the majority culture if you will is, is kind of like a river and as it changes course they just want kids who are are taught to think like little logs to float along with the river mm. I don't know if that's a great analogy yeah
0: no yeah I, I could I could see that for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> what do you guys think?
2: I, mean, I think you're always being discipled by something or someone, mm-hmm. and so I like, when I talk about public school specifically with my wife, like even if it's a killer public school, I know they're not discipling them to be better servants of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so I think it was maybe James White I heard him say like, don't be surprised your kids act like Romans when you send them to Caesar to be educated mm-hmm. I'm like yeah, I don't want my kids or to or th- like what me- I
0: just said, don't be surprised if they come out you know socialists if you send them to yeah a socialist school right yeah. ultimately that um, they don't be surprised if they come out Nazis if you're sending them to a Nazi yeah. school mm-hmm. right. And so we have to look and say and see, like, what, okay, we're not, here's, here's just some thoughts. Obviously, our kids are not being taught Bible, right? In public school. They're not being taught theology. They're not being taught philosophy. They're not being taught ethics. They're not being taught morals, right? They're not being taught very much history. They're being taught psychology. They're being taught. Sociology, they're being taught gender ideology, um, LGBTQ, that, that's the thing right now. LGBTQ is the thing that society is most focused on in, in, in public schools right now. And that is the ideology, ideology that is an ideology, that is a philosophy that is not in line with Christianity. And so that is being pumped down in, and what I used on Sunday, expressive individualism, which is you're, the real you is deep down inside. You determine what it is or who it is. And then once you come out of the closet or whatever, once you express yourself, then the world around you must applaud you they must worship you they must say good 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 no matter what it is
2: yeah it feels like the the more disconnected that that inner you is from reality the louder the applause
0: right because we worship the avant-garde right now we worship the most marginalized the weirdest of the weird mm-hmm. that's victimhood status has Cultural capital right now has money. There's there's power in it. If you want your YouTube uh, to to triple views, be tra- be transgender, come out. You start using different hashtags. That's the stuff that's trending. That's what's trending right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here here's the problem. Well, obviously this is all based on the individual, right? This is based on the individual, but society works through individuals working collectively together to build institutions that serve the good of mankind, Mm -hmm. right? And expressive individualism doesn't build any good structures of society. Mm. It can't. It actually Mm -hmm. destroys the structures of society because it's not operating out of truth, right? It doesn't operate out of of a true worldview. So so it's no wonder why all of these systems are are collapsing around us, right? Um, politics are are so divided, and it seems like nothing c- can get done anywhere. You know, um, the family itself is mm-hmm. is being torn asunder, right? Like all of these um, things in our society is being torn torn asunder through just like this giving over the. S- giving over to the self, right? No truth, but your truth, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And and now we're just a bunch of individuals trying to get the most that we could possibly get for us and our own and not actually promoting truth and mm-hmm. goodness and beauty in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, man, what would it look like for the, for the Christian to finally stand up and say, we're not doing this anymore? Mm-hmm. You know that old proverb of the, the, the frog in the, in the kettle on the stove and you, 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 you slowly heat that water up and that frog supposedly will sit there and cook himself to death because it, it gradually gets hotter and hotter and he doesn't realize it. But if you boil water and you drop a frog in it, that frog will hit that water and jump right out and save its life. And I feel like for the last, I don't know how many years, 40, 50, 60 years, as our society around us has secularized and Christians lost some key battles, they've kind of given up. And they've now they're just used used to um, this slow secularization where, you know, obviously we know this like they took prayer out of school, then they took the pledge of allegiance out of school. And then they take the Ten Commandments out of like a lot of schools or judge or courtrooms, and then, and then, um, then homosexuality is okay, and then homosexual marriage is now a, a positive good in our society, and slowly we've just been allowing all of these things and not pushing back against all these things, and now all of a sudden we're here, where now we're at the foundations of the self, and we're saying, gender isn't a construct given to us by God. It is solely in your imagination. So it's solely a figure figment of your imagination and you can be whatever you want to be. And this is tearing apart like the language of our society. Like the pronoun debate right now is just insane. They just, you know, Ellen page who transitioned to Elliot page just had her breast taken off and and my news feed this morning or yesterday was a shirtless picture of her with her breast taken off. Oh, she's so happy. He's, you know, now that I cut my breast off, I'm so happy I can wear short, I can wear board shorts now. And our society is, is cheering mutilation, mutilation of the body. We have the audacity to condemn the Muslims when they mutilate a female's genitalia. But we are allowing hmm. and promoting and even pushing for, for our children to do that. Hmm. It's it's hypocrisy and it's 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 destroying our society and Christians, we can't be so concerned about you know not being winsome or not being you know like we we're trying to love everybody and we, we want to be kind. We can't be so concerned like of of being accepted that we're we're afraid to actually say, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to send my kids to that school. I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to use those pronouns. And I'm drawing a line in the sand like the Christians had to do in the Roman Empire and Mm -hmm. saying, nope, we're not sleeping with anybody else. Nope, we're not doing that. Nope, we're not bowing to Caesar. We're not doing that. You've stepped out of your bounds, state, you are in a realm that is not your jurisdiction.
2: Hmm. So, so, so is that the is like education the point of attack for Christians to start trying to create good gospel culture, or is so?
0: Here is my th- question: If our kids are raised in a secular school, they're coming out of that with all of the secular presuppositions. That continue to create um, a dishonoring culture or a broken culture. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> they come. They their best friend at twelve years old comes out as gay or whatever, and now they got to wrestle. They got to wrestle as a twelve year old. They have to wrestle with how am I going to be a friend with her and how am I going to be kind and how am I going to do all this stuff? And doesn't God just want her to be happy? They're going to have to wrestle with all of that instead of being in an environment where they're getting only taught truth and how to engage with the lies and the falsehoods. Mm -hmm. And so then their heart is shaped towards loving the standard of God, loving the right way, loving truth, loving goodness, loving beauty. And then when they're more articulate, their brain is more developed, they're more educated, then they can actually... um, you know, they can be prepared to have those arguments and those relationships, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? That are, yeah. that are not easy to have. But, but so easy at 12 is for her, her or his heart to get hijacked with what we've talk, been talking about, sympathy, like that untethered sympathy. Mm-hmm. Empathy. For, empathy. or untethered sympathy okay, yeah. for their, for their, their friend and to, and to lose sight of the truth, okay? And so we want, we don't want to just like, we want to promote good culture. I don't want to just slow the decay. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are not producing people as wise as a hundred years ago. Okay. Some of our people have higher higher IQs. They're 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 creating great great things. They're specialists in technology and specialists in, in surgery and specialists and all like we're we're advancing in in a lot of those technical ways, but we are not as well rounded and wise as a society and as an individuals mm-hmm. as you would think like an abraham lincoln or mm-hmm. a will, a, will um, a wilberforce right these guys that were were very well educated and they could change and they, they changed a, the the direction of a culture mm-hmm. right um, jonathan edwards like these guys that like you read them and you're like at 16 he's writing this yeah. they were producing more eloquent more educated people, right? And they and their society was formed by Christianity more than ours is now. Mm. And so I'm saying we need to return to that. Return and when I say that, return and uh, think of it, again, reformed and always reforming. Mm. So they were wrong about some things back then. We want to reform and always reforming, right? We want our kids to grow and be more educated than we are. We want them to be more well-rounded. Um, and less, I would say, less specialists. Mm. They, well, we, every, Lots of our people now, they know a lot about one thing mm-hmm. and they don't understand about governments and they don't understand about theology and they don't understand about philosophy and they don't understand about, I could go on and on and on. And so I want to to renew this city. Davenport other the Quad Cities. I want to renew this city. I'm not just blowing smoke when I say that I think God's called us to make good culture in this city. Mm. That means we need to have our kids need to have the best education that we can get them, the most God-honoring education that we can give them. We want our kids to grow up in a culture that says God wants me to create good God-honoring culture. Not what what job gives me the most money?
2: What
0: mm-hmm. what's the most fun? What's the, what's the easiest thing I can do? Those are the wrong questions, right? And if, and if, and if those kids are, if, if kids are asking those questions, the answer is YouTuber. The answer is video gamer. The answer is video game YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is
2: transgender video game. YouTuber. Oh, boom.
0: That's it. You got your market right there, yeah. dude. You got your market. Um, And it, it's, it's kind of a joke and I, I'm not saying that Christians shouldn't do some of those things because, again, that's culture, too, and you, could, you you, should. But what? think about it like this. Where are the Christian um, journalists? Like, legit journalists. Not, like, just that only write on theology, but, like, are creating Christian YouTube videos that teach you about what's going on in the Middle East, that, te- like, that are, like, like, CNN, like all these things, but from an actual Christian perspective that promotes the good, the true and the beautiful. Mm. Right? That's going to be a lot of work, understanding all that. It's going to take a lot of nuance. We need to do that. We need to have Christian artists, Christian musicians, we need to have Christian politicians, Christian school board members, Christian mayors, Christian d- down the list. And if we're going to if if we want to make this city a better city, that honors God with God honoring culture. We've got to be raising our children to love the culture that in our home, to love the standard of God, to want to stay here in the quad cities and, and make good culture. We want our kids to come out of the culture of our home and the culture of the education we've given them with the desire to put down roots and make good culture. Let's see what we can do here in our city. Like what would it look like 20 years from now if, the the police chief is a member at Sacred City. Maybe it's one of our kids. He's the police chief at mm-hmm. Sacred City, and this and the Davenport director of school superintendent, whatever member of Sacred City kid. You know what I mean? Like the on and on and like these culture shaping positions. Yeah. That that there are people, and I'm just using Sacred City because in our city, this is I don't hear anybody else talking about this. Mm-hmm. Anybody else saying let's make good culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just a Christian subculture. Let's teach and promote truth, beauty, and goodness. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'm on a soapbox right now. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, you could do an entire podcast series probably on the nuances of education itself and how we should be approaching that as Christians, um, which maybe that's something we need to do at some point or uh, a parenting conference on, with a focus on education, something yeah. I, I, because um, because there's so much that goes into that rhythm of life in our families and and into the decision for each family what to where to send their kid and, and how to do that, um, you know. And I, I think of of how many families just don't know how to make that decision. Um, a lot of time for a lot of people, it probably doesn't even seem like there's a choice, and if they are pinned into I need to send, uh, my only option is to send my kid here. Then, you know, how do we as a church help, that's a help great question, communicate yeah. that and, and help good. make those really important decisions.
0: First off, th- I, I would challenge you. We, the, one of the biggest problems in life is when we don't know what we don't know. Right. And if you feel like you are forced into making some, let's just say, I cannot afford any other, like I'm a single mom. I can't, stay at home. I can't be a stay at home mom and, and homeschool my kids. And I can't afford to send them to a Christian private school. Well, and so immediately we, so those first two things are called defeater beliefs. And sure. so they say to me, okay, I ha- I have to send my kid to sure. this terrible public school. No, you don't. There are, and, and come and talk to me, come and talk to one of your elders. There are tons of scholarships available. There are tons, there's other opportunities available uh, to you. And so that yeah we, we maybe we do need to have a whole podcast on that yeah um, someday but we can't do it right now because so.
1: i think those like there's the defeat of belief side of that and there's also just the that you don't know what you don't know yeah. and just the the lack of awareness and communication for what those options might be you know we we say we think this is the the best thing you could do for your kid is sending your your kid to school here there are a heck of a lot of Bible-believing Christians at other churches that live in other neighborhoods that have no idea about some of these options that may be available to their kids. Yeah, And, yeah, and, and so, yeah. It's that's,
0: important. So, so the, the whole idea isn't just like education, but education is a very important piece. It's a cultural artifact, and it's also the creator of future culture. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that's why it's so important for Christians if we want to create good, if we want to renew our, some of our, these, if we want to renew our culture, right, like restore it to a God-honoring culture, then we've got to have a God-honoring education that gets our kids out of the Mississippi that's flowing downstream to use your, own, and, and um, trains them how to be a great swimmer, <laughs> a great, you know what I mean, and then once they jump back in it, they can actually swim upstream, right, mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a mm-hmm. fully educated, informed adult, you mm-hmm. you have a better chance uh, than you do as, as a child trying mm-hmm. to do that. So, <clears throat> well, any other thoughts or questions? I know we've been talking about this for a little bit on creating culture. Any questions that come to mind?
1: I, I just thought it was, I mean, I, I know this was intentionally the route you took. Usually when we talk, you know, in, missional community trainings or, or whatever, when we talk about this, um, recreate or recreate rhythm, um, in the past, we've mostly talked about it through the lens of the recreation side, like our hobbies and the things we do for fun and how we engage in, um, our neighborhoods and our cities from that recreational side. Um, and so this was the sermon hearing, it was just kind of unexpected Mm -hmm. and different and refreshing. I think personally, Um, to it includes both and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I I don't know. I don't know that there's a specific point or question to that. But um, but it was a different route than you've taken in the past. Yeah. Um, and I think was clarifying for for that culture creation side of it.
0: Yeah. I, uh, man, I what would our city look like? What would our city look like? if we had a gospel-centered worldview and our children grow up with a gospel-centered worldview
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they, they weren't, you know, enticed by the world
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, to just float downstream, yeah. you know?
1: I think something really encouraging in that that we've kind of talked about as a staff recently, um, I, I love that imagination piece of what would the Quad Cities look like if sacred city mayor, you know, whatever, all, all of those things. That's really engaging to, to my imagination, especially as I think about my own kids and wanting to raise them to love the quad cities and not run off and escape somewhere else, but maybe do that for a while, come back and, and create good culture here in our home. Um, and something just that's hopefully encouraging to our church as a whole is we can think about all these things and be defeated by our own lack of imagination. Um, I have no idea what that would look like. How do we mm. even get there? How do, How is that even possible? As limiting as our own imagination can be, a lot of times, God is infinite mm. and perfectly creative in his imagination, and he can see those things, and he can imagine what, <laughs> what yeah. Davenport would look like if yeah. all of those things came together, and that's been something that's really encouraging to me lately is just being able to imagine even my own neighborhood through the lens of the gospel yeah. and mm-hmm. what that kind of connection and relationship would look like. Um, and I don't know, just been yeah. super encouraging. Well, lately. And
0: some people might say like, yeah, I, I don't even know what that would look like or what does it look like to, to do my, my job from a gospel centered perspective? Well, that's where we'd lean into your identity as a learner. Mm-hmm. And we'd say, yeah, you're a learner. Go figure it out. Let's go read some books, listen mm-hmm. to some podcasts. Talk, ask a pastor. Hey, this is my job. This is my career. This is my industry. What What would it look like for me to create
2: yeah.
0: Christian culture here, right? Or inspire my children to create Christian culture? Whatever. Um, be a learner. Ask about it. Do some research on it. Um, request from a pastor. We lo- I'd love to to help any way that we can. So. Um, so that's the, that was the sermon on Recreate. If you guys have any questions about anything I said or anything we talked about today, please email me at sacredcitychurch.com. We hope this was a blessing. We hope it inspired you to go out there and promote truth and beauty and goodness from a Christian perspective. We love you guys. God bless you.